This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. All right, we are in a sermon series called Highlights in Genesis. Okay. (laughs) I knew you all knew that. Okay. Uh, And we're going to look at a big highlight today, God's covenant with Abraham. Genesis in Genesis chapter 15. We're going to see this incredible interaction between God and Abraham. We're going to meet Abraham. He is filled with all kinds of fear and doubt. He is doubting God's promises to him. And, and we can all relate to Abraham. And I can hear, I can hear groans out there of relating, relatability because we all face fear. We all face doubt at times. The question is, what do you think God is going to do with Abraham's fear and doubts? And what do you think God does with our fear and doubts? That is what the covenant, God's covenant with Abraham is all about. So if any of you here are feeling afraid, I hope this story will bless you. If any of you here are experiencing doubts, I hope and pray and believe that this story will bless you. So bring your fears and bring your doubts. And I want to invite you, us, as best as we can, to put our feet into the feet of Abraham. And, and while we look at the story, you are going to love this interaction between God and Abraham. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help. Heavenly Father, Oh, thank you for being here. Thank you for being present. Thank you for calling us here. Not everybody gets to be here right now. We're here with you, with each other. Um, which means you want to speak to us through your word, maybe through a smile or an encouraging word from someone. But Lord, encourage us with this story. Help us to enter into the shoes of Abraham and experience what he experienced talking to you in the midst of his fear, in the midst of his doubt. Would you encourage us today through this story and and give us hope? I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to look at at, uh, God's covenant with Abraham. And by the way, Abraham means exalted father. Uh, and God changes, Ab- sorry, Abram's name means exalted father. And God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means the father of a multitude of nations. So if I say Abraham, when it says Abram, it, they're the same people, okay? Um, but that, that's the difference in terms of the names. Before we look at God's covenant with Abram, I want to share the background and the context because it is critical to seeing the good news of this covenant. So back in Genesis 12, which was another highlight we looked at last week, God called Abraham to go to the land. He says, go to a country and your, uh, you know, go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And then God is going to make seven promises to Abram. Uh, you can count them with me. Ready? One, and I will make you a great nation. 
Two, and I will bless you. Three, and I will make your name great. Four, so that you will be a blessing. Five, and I will bless those who bless you. And six, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And seven, and in all the family and you, all the families of the earth, shall, will, shall be blessed. It's a sevenfold blessing. These are seven promises that God makes in this call to Abram. And God calls him to go and he blesses him so that he can then be a blessing. Well, then we read next that he, he does go indeed and he goes with his nephew Lot and they get separated and God reaffirms that promise at that time that he's going to bless him and give him children and a land. And then I want to share with you this incredible story. It's an amazing story to help you understand why Abram's so afraid. So in Genesis chapter 14, we see how Abram rescued Lot, his nephew. This is an incredible story. I'll try to be brief. So here's the, here's the background. Oops, sorry, you guys. So there's, there are these four Mesopotamian kings up in the north. They're up here in this map. And then there's five uh, southern kings. And these five southern kings are, are, are in servitude to the Mesopotamian kings. And finally, 14 years later, they rebel. And, and because of that, these four Mesopotamian kings come down and they attack this whole area. And of course, Lot is, um, is here in Sodom. And the king of Sodom and Lot, his nephew, they're conquered and they take them up, you know, to go back to these northern kingdoms. Well, as soon as Abram hears about this, Abram's living right here. He, he takes, okay, and just, just think about that. Four kings come down and conquer five kings. These kingdoms come down and conquer these five kings. They're going back up with Lot and the possessions. Abraham hears about this and he takes a measly little 318 people and he goes after, whoops, it's, it's gone already. He goes after them and he, he defeats those four kings that just defeated the five kings. Can you believe that? And so, yeah, so he goes up and he defeats them. And then afterward, he brings Lot and his possessions right back down to Sodom. And, um, and so when he brings back Lot, he also brings back the spoils or the rewards of, of war. And he gives it all back. Abram could have kept all those rewards of the war, but he gives them back to Sodom, the king of Sodom. So Abram's back here. This is the context. He, 318 people gets defeated. So what, what happens to him? He becomes terrified. Why? Well, he just went and conquered and defeated these kings. He is worried they are going to come back and destroy his life and everybody because of what he did. All right, you got the context? So now let's look at this incredible story. The story of God's covenant with Abram. Abram's filled with fear and he begins to doubt God's promises. Remember these promises in Genesis 5, 12 that God gave about five or ten years earlier. 
So I want you to put yourself in this story. We're going to look at three interactions between God and Abram. Abraham's afraid. God's going to reassure him. He's a, he doubts, and God's going to reassure him. He's going to doubt again, and God's going to reassure him. So let's take a look at these three interactions one at a time. First, Abram's afraid, and God reassures him. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, what are the, the, what are the these things? After he de- defeated the kings and he's now afraid they're going to come back and retaliate and totally destroy him. So after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Abram didn't even ask for this. God comes to him. So what does God say to Abram? Don't be afraid, Abram. Fear not. I am your shield. Isn't that a beautiful image? That the Lord God is the one who is his shield and will protect him. And he is your shield too. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now notice, Abraham is not pursuing God in his fear. It's God who pursues Abram. It says that God's word, the word of the Lord, first time in in Genesis, in the Torah, came to God comes to Abram, and he came to Abram in the midst of his fear. And God says, don't be afraid. And then he reassures him that he, he himself will be Abram's defense, his shield, his protection. And then God says, your reward shall be very great. Now, why would he say this to him? Because Abram just defeated these kings. He brings back the rewards, the spoils, the possessions of war. He brings it all back, but he gave it away to the king of Sodom. He doesn't have anything. He is totally empty-handed. He's empty-handed. He has nothing, and he's afraid for his life that they're going to come back and retaliate. So God reassures Abram. God pursues him and reassures him that he has something far greater than the spoils of war. Your reward shall be very great indeed. Okay, that's the first interaction. Now let's take a look at the second interaction. Abram doubts God's promise for children, and God reassures him. Let's look at this. Verse 2, but Abram said, O Lord God, what reward, he just promised him a reward, what reward will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. See, in that time, um, if you didn't have a daughter, unfortunately, you couldn't inherit the, the house, so you'd give it to a servant, a male servant. And, and Abram said, Behold, you, you have given me no even though you promised five, ten years ago, you give me no offspring and a member of my house will be my heir. And that's, that's Abram's plan. That's what's going to happen. He's doubting God's promise to him. And in the midst of Abram's doubt, God reassures him in a beautiful way. I just love this. He says to, he says to Abram, behold, pay attention to this. The word of the Lord came again. It's God pursuing This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And then God gives him a promise and he shows them something tangible to help him remember the promise. He brings him outside and he says, look toward heaven, look towards the sky and and number the stars. Has anyone ever tried that, by the way? It is very difficult. Um, 
I used to know, apparently you could, there's a particular number that you can see with the naked eye, how many stars are out there. But look towards the heaven. I mean, look at what God is doing with him. It's such a tangible reminder because every time he goes out in the night sky, he's going to see stars. And the stars are going to remind him of this promise. Number the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And now one of the most important verses in the Old Testament. And Abram believed the Lord. And, the, and God counted it to him as what? This verse so inspired Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, that Paul works with this one verse in Romans 3 and 4, and probably one of the most important, actually the gospel in a sentence is Romans 3, 24, where it says, we are made righteous by God's gift as a grace. It's his free gift. God is going to do this, and he does it through the saving death of Jesus to be received by what? Faith. And the example of God's righteousness coming through faith comes from this story about God's covenant with Abraham. And the, the irony is that Abram is in doubt when God meets him. Abraham is doubting and, and it's God who reassures Abram. And that is what causes Abram's faith. It's God's reassurance that causes faith. So then in Romans 4, it says this, For if Abram was made righteous by works, then he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And, and what's Paul quoting here? The story of the covenant of, that God makes with Abram. It says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Wow. That's just the second interaction. Now it gets even better. You ready for the third interaction? Abram doubts God's promise for children, right? So he reassures them. Let's look at the stars. Now the third interaction is best of all. Abram, he's doubting again. God's promise for land. He's afraid for his life. And God reassures him. And he does it in the most amazing way. Now notice. It is God who sees Abram's doubt. And it's God who initiates the assurance. Verse 7. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to possess. But Abram said something very logical. A Lord God. How are you going to do this? How? I've got some kings that are coming their way. How are you going? How am I to know that I shall possess this land? Again, he's in fear of this retaliation. And he thinks he's never going to have children, never going to have land. He doesn't even think he's going to be alive. So Abraham asked this question, how do I know you're going to do it? And God answers Abram in the most remarkable way. Verse 9, he said to him, Bring me a heifer, a cow, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. How's that for an answer? <laughs> oh, you know, that clears it up. Okay. And even though God does not instruct Abram what to do with these animals, Abram knows exactly what to do with these animals. So he brought God these animals, cuts them in half, imagine that, and laid each half 
over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of the prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them out. So this is pretty graphic, okay? God says, bring me these animals. Abraham knows what to do. God is asking Abram to do something familiar. God was making a formal covenant with Abram. Now, I want to talk about how they made formal covenants in the time of Abram. Covenant simply means a promise, a promise. So first, formal covenants in the time of Abram are different from formal covenants in our time. So for example, Abraham lived in an oral culture. We live in a written culture. So today when two people make a promise with one another and it's formal, what do they typically do? They sign a contract. That's right. So what are some examples? A husband and a wife make a promise to love and be faithful to one another. And they make that promise, and, you know, one of the signs of the covenant is the, the ring. But say, you know, say one of them kind of, you know, they've got the ring, but they just sort of, oh, I can't take that off. You know, just take it off. I don't think I got married, you know. What, what other sign, what, what other, when you make a formal covenant, you, you sign a, a marriage certificate. It's a written contract, essentially. And that way, when someone says, I don't remember ever getting, you can go back and say, no, we actually did get married. <laughs> or how about so you, you want to have a contractor build your home? Are you going to just shake on it? You know, here, you can have a few hundred thousand dollars and just build my home. Let's shake on it. Anyone going to do it? Raise a hand. Anyone going to do that? No. What are you going to do? You're going to sign a contract. Um, that's... That's because we, we live in, in this day with written contracts. In the time of Abraham, it was an oral, not a written culture. So when two parties wanted to make a promise, one of the ways that they would make a formal promise is to have a covenant ceremony. Now, how, you might ask, did a covenant ceremony work? Well, I'm going to share this with you. The word for covenant means, the, the root of the word for covenant means to cut. So the idea of cutting an agreement comes from this, this idea of a covenantal ceremony. So here's how it would work. They would take animals. They would cut them in half. They would lay them on either side. And hopefully you'll see an image of this. And after both parties agree to the promise and the terms of the covenant, they would guess what? They would walk through the blood in between the cut animals. They were, at, and what they were doing by that is acting out what's called the curse of the covenant. In other words, if one of the parties would not fulfill their promise, the curse was that they would become like one of these dead animals. <laughs> Are you going to forget that promise? <laughs> Probably not. You know, we see this in Jeremiah 34. The men who, it says, the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut into and passed in between. It is a promise you probably would never forget. <laughs> and so with that background in mind, let's read what happens next. 
Abram falls asleep. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord here makes his promise, okay? Know for certain, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not their, not theirs, and they will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. He's going to tell the whole Genesis, Exodus story and, uh, right there. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation. So God makes his promise. And he says, you can know for sure you're going to have offspring and you're going to have a land. And God's making his formal covenant promise. But here's the big surprise. Guess who passes through the animals? By the way, this is important information. If, if a king makes a formal covenant with a servant or a servant king, only the servant would go through the cut animals to keep that promise. That's how it worked in that day. So who, by that day's culture, should have been the one to walk through the cut animals? Abraham. That's right, Abram. But here is the big surprise. Let's see who goes between the cut animals. So when the sun had gone down and it was dark... Behold, I love that word, it means pay attention, it means, you know, wake up, pay attention to this. Behold, a what? A smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. Now, these are symbols of God's presence. And that, that's why later in Exodus 19, we're going to see God's presence on the Mount of Sinai coming in a, and flaming fire. You're going to come in wrapped in darkness and a smoky cloud. These are symbols and signs of the very presence of Yahweh. These are signs of God's presence. So let's see who walks between the pieces. Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between these pieces. And here's the big surprise. Only God's presence passed between the pieces. Wow. Only God. God was not just making a promise to Abram. He was making a covenant. And God was saying, I am going to keep my promise, whether in your fear, whether in your doubt, whether it, will you succeed, whether you fail, because listen to what it says. On that day, the Lord made a covenant to Abram. It does not say on that day, Abram made a covenant with the Lord. But only God makes this promise. And only God guarantees his promise with his life. Wow. God says, I know you will doubt. My promise is guaranteed not by you, but by me. And you can know for certain, I'll keep my promise. God's covenant with Abraham. Isn't it amazing? God says, I'm going to keep my promise to bless you and to bless you. In other words, Abraham, you can be absolutely sure I'm going to do this 
whether you believe it or not, God reassures him of this incredible and unconditional covenant. And that's why these interactions are so amazing. It's Abraham's afraid, yet God pursues him and reassures him. Abraham doubts, yet God assures him with the sign of the stars. Abraham doubts, and God assures him most amazingly through this formal covenant. And God's covenant with Abraham is very good news for us because it points to Jesus Christ. This whole covenant points to Jesus. Listen to what Paul writes in Galatians 3. He says, for, for Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. That would be you and me. Those of faith. Faith in God through Jesus Christ. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith, that is you and me, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Is that not incredible? When you are, and I, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, which is an invitation that is always open to us, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are blessed along with Abram. And God is the one who fulfills his promise to bless. Galatians 3 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, curse is the one who is hanging on the tree. In other words, he's talking about Jesus on the cross here. So that in Christ Jesus, what? The blessing of Abraham might come to us, the Gentiles. His blessing to us so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. When we put our faith in Christ, we inherit the blessings of Abraham. That's for us. You know, one of my favorite authors wrote this, and she's writing about God's covenant with Abraham here. And she says this. She says, I love this. She said, I love this. I mean, this is brilliant. If I do say so on her behalf. She's sick today, so she's not here. So, or she'd be super embarrassed that I did this. But she did not know I was doing this. I love this. She says, the thread of the covenant that begins with Abraham. And she's thinking here of Abraham's covenant. Winds with great intentionality through the generations over 2,000 years and finds its fulfillment in Jesus. God's promise is so sure. It begins with this one man four millennia ago and then through Jesus, it gets passed on to us. We inherit the promise and we can rely on it. God's covenant with Abraham, finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. In you, Abraham, all God's families, including the family at Sunset Church, shall be blessed. You, you going to doubt it? Remember the covenant he makes. So how do we apply this? I'm going to close this way. How do we apply this? Are you struggling with fear? Are you tempted to fear? By the way, God, 
God's command is to fear not, which means that if it's a command, that means his Holy Spirit can help us not fear. You're struggling with fear or or with doubt. The good news of God's covenant with Abram is that when we experience fear and doubt, God comes closer to us and reassures us with his promise. He, the book of Hebrews is written to people who are afraid and doubting God's promise. So listen to what Hebrews 6 says. I'm going to end with this. It says, we can be full of hope about God's promise to bless us. He says this, we desire for you to have the full assurance, the certainty of hope that we can be people full of hope. And how can we be full of hope? By being imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And inherit what promise? Who do you think the writer of Hebrews is going to encourage us to imitate? Any guesses? Abraham. For when God made a promise to Abraham saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. So when God desired to show more convincingly, more certainly to the heirs of the promise, who's that? Yes, you're an heir. The unchangeable character of God's purpose, he, what did he do? He didn't shake hands with Abram. He made a formal oath, a formal covenant, God's covenant. He went through the pieces of the animals so that... And he did it so that we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement and hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this hope, this hope of God's promise as a sure, steadfast anchor for our souls. Wow. What this is saying is that because of God's covenant with Abram, we can be people full of hope. And this hope of God's promise to, uh, to bless us is the anchor for our soul. <sighs> Heavenly Father, we hear it, but help us through your Holy Spirit to believe it. We thank you for this covenant you made with Abraham. We thank you for the promise that we get to inherit. The promise that you will bless us. We place our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Would you bless us with this blessing? For we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you me and we can overflow with hope by the power of his holy spirit and all god's people said amen